good. It's happening. We're on. Oh, very good. How are you, John? Well, <clears throat> doing pretty well. I'm done teaching for the semester, and I'm uh, looking forward to doing some uh, creative things. Mm-hmm. Writery things. You look more uh, <clears throat> relaxed. I am more relaxed. Concupiscent. Loosh. I don't know. These are words. They are words. I read to describe people. One of those is from, um, what's his name, right? Wallace Stevens? Yeah. That uh, that thing about the wood thing? Uh, no, I think that's in uh, uh, Call the Rollers of Big Cigars. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Emperor of Ice Cream. Yeah, that's the one the I'm talking thing, about. Oh, the Dresser of Deal? There's a Dresser of Deal, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that's the thing I remembered from that poem. <laughs> the uh, least the, notable image. The famous <clears throat> Dresser of Deal. With the, the knobs, the missing knobs. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. We, There's a forest of Dean in English, in England. Like oh. some ancient forest, um, kind of on the Welsh border. Yeah. Um, that I always think of when I read that poem, just because of the construction. Dresser of Deal, Forest of Dean. <laughs> there's a Forest of Dean accent, I guess, like that area. There's a specific accent. Oh, really? Yeah. Can you can you uh, approximate it for me? No, it's it's. Uh, I think it's it's like a Yorkshire. It's like famously uh, <laughs> like indecipherable to you know people from even thirty miles or kilometers, thirty clicks away. They have trouble. I think deciphering it. It uh, sounds so like the, dress, a, the dresser of deal accent would be the best accent <laughs> to be emperor of ice cream. In. Uh, yeah, that makes me. It puts me in the mind of friend of the show Dean Sabatino. I imagine that's a a good name for a music project of his. Forest of Dean. Forest of Dean. Yeah. <laughs> Forest of Dean Sabatino. <laughs> yeah. So you're looking well as well. Eddie, thank you, thank you. That's nice to hear. Yeah, yeah. good lighting this time of day. The lighting at nine fifteen in the morning at Pacific time is different than the the lighting at uh, six a.m. when we often have have recorded. Is there a magic hour in Portland? Um, every hour is magical in Portland. <laughs> City of magic. Uh, it's kind of overcast today, muted indirect light after uh, a week of 80 degrees, sunny, very pleasant, outdoors all the time, mm-hmm. a few months early. but uh, So I may have a little bit of a tan to complement yeah. the, uh, <laughs> yeah. the north side lighting. That must be what I'm noticing, is your tan. Yeah. It's probably my tan <laughs> that you're picking up on. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's chilly. It's chilly and rainy here, but uh, I don't mind. It's anything that's not snow is fine with me. You uh, know who's in Ithaca right now? Oh, uh, who? I haven't. I think uh, I have an answer, but take a guess. Is it Viet? Uh, no. I just got a note from my local bookstore that he's that he's uh, given a reading in an interview on like Saturday. Yet when? Yeah. You should go. It's not connected to anything. I think he he's being interviewed by Jack Wang from Ithaca College, so perhaps it's an Ithaca College event that uh, is taking place at the bookstore. But I am going to go if I can. Well, I have I'm back on I'm back on with the uh, furniture delivery gang, no. yeah, so, so I may have to miss it. Yeah, 
may have to miss yeah. the event. But um, uh, he's a, a great. Uh, well, I, I love his writing, but he's a good. He's a good talker. He's a good interview subject. Yeah. You know. Well, he has he has a shtick. He he actually posted um, tweeted this like how to give a good reading series of tweets. Did, I, mm-hmm. did we already talk about this? No, but I did. I did see those. Right. Yeah, and. I I almost, I kind of wanted to argue with him, but I know better than to express opinions on the internet, Um, even positive ones. But I think what he described is the way to give a good Viet Huynh reading. Um, But it's actually not what I like out of most writers, a writer who constantly interrupts himself with some patter. He's really good at patter, which is why he's good on TV as well. He he is Mm -hmm. a good interview. But I think a lot of writers, I think, benefit more from buckling, buckling in and telling a, telling a story and sticking with it and having a long, contiguous reading. Because that's mostly what I want to hear at a reading, unless it's terrible, in which case I don't hear anything. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, no, who's in Ithaca? Uh, my in-laws. <laughs> How come? Jane and Phil are... Uh, Taking a, a an in country vacation, they spent uh, they spent a few days in Philadelphia, uh huh, and then they rented a car and uh, I think we're driving up to we're driving around uh, Pennsylvania and in upstate New York that for fun. Great, we don't know anybody there. They're just touring. Do you know um, what the name of the place that they're staying at is? I know nothing of their itinerary. Okay. I'm sure they wouldn't want it said on the internet, or else their fans would descend upon the <laughs> upon the yeah. place. Yeah. Um, but I, I do uh, after after we talk in a recorded way. I want to get some uh, some uh, some ideas for what they should do. Although I think they have their own i their own plan. They've got a tour book. You yeah. Know, Twenty wacky things to do in Tompkins County. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure mm-hmm. there's something like that. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't really solicit opinions. I, I said they said they did about Philadelphia because they thought I knew Philadelphia, which I don't particularly. The only thing I know the most, the only thing I know about Philadelphia that's important to see is the Mütter Museum. And after a couple sentences of describing it, they seemed it seemed like they wouldn't be visiting the, the Mütter Museum. <laughs> <laughs> ah, skeletons and blah, things in jars. You love it, dusty. There should be somebody should put together a, a national tour of um unpalatable museums. Yeah. That's the title of it. Unpleasant museums, unpleasant ex- yeah. exhibitions. Yeah. Um we've well, been to the Mütter Museum, Mütter Museum, haven't you? You know what? Even though I lived in Philly and have gone many times, I have actually not gone into the Mütter Museum. Oh, next time. Yeah, I would uh, like to. Yeah, it's actually quite nice. That's what I hear. It's res- respectful of the charnel house uh theme yeah they went to the barnes collection i think oh sure you gotta go there um my uh, my cousin's husband uh was one of the architects who worked on that new barnes building mm-hmm. the good part yeah the good part the best parts of the building the rich parts you can see him yeah you can see what rich did just by glancing but so then I don't know what kind of car they're in, but I'm picturing a Tercel, and yeah, sure. they're, uh, it's gray, and they uh, uh, slipped out of Philadelphia and are probably on some route. 
um, passing through some picturesque landscapes, old church, sure, uh, cow, mm-hmm. and um, hill. Yeah, you might see a mountain gorge. Mountain gorge around shades here. Shades of death. Shades of death road. No, that's in New Jersey. Okay, they wouldn't. But they wouldn't dare go down that. <laughs> take just take shades of death to the mutter. Mm-hmm. Take her. Yeah. Oh, it leads there. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're all on that road, Eddie. Yeah. 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 Um. So what? 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 Uh, somebody's visiting Ithaca. Yeah. Um. Uh, say you're. Um. You know, in your late seventies. Mm-hmm. Able-bodied. You like a hike. Not afraid of being outdoors. Sure. Um. What are three things that the visiting the, the the visitant to Ithaca, um, which I think is a John O'Hara novel, how, should do. How, how would you describe their taste? Uh, Careful. Uh, BBC, PBS. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Um, are they like many whites of their generation, fond mm-hmm. of checking out colleges? Um, they don't have any, they don't need to send anyone to them. So they're not interested in that way. <laughs> okay. I remember that the, the art gallery at the art museum at Cornell was very nice. Well, th- what I was going to suggest is to pair two adjacent things. If they're pretty mm-hmm. hale and would like a, a little, a little hike, mm-hmm. um, they can, they can start downtown just a couple of blocks from my house mm-hmm. and they can climb up Cascadilla Gorge. Um, and I think I may have taken down you down that path. It's a, uh, it's just stairs uh, that, yeah, yeah, that go all the way up the gorge, and the waterfalls yeah. are pouring down. It's very oh, pretty. it's nice. Yeah. It is pretty, it's and it's fr- not too arduous. No, it's short. I mean, it's very uphill, but you can, mm-hmm. you know, there are benches. You can take a rest if you get tired. Mm-hmm. And then when you get to the top, uh, you make a left. You go into Cornell's campus, and I was going to suggest going to the uh, Johnson Museum of Art, which uh, has a pretty good permanent collection, and there's always something new and interesting there. Mm-hmm. Um, our favorite cocktail bar is the Argos Inn, which I've probably mentioned here before. Nice, uh, swank place to, uh, get a drink if the weather is fine, which it is not today, but who knows, it may improve. Um, you can sit out on the back patio and enjoy it. Um, what else would you do here? I don't know, I'm not sure. What kind of food do they want to eat? Not spicy. Not spicy. How about the probably if- not barbecue. I remember there was a nice barbecue place. Well, this might not be the season. There for might it. there might not be any more. Um, I would yeah. say uh, try the Ithaca Beer Company. Ithaca Beer Company. Yeah, just outside right. of town. Nice nice facility. They got a brewery. They have a restaurant. Uh, it's like they they tried to do with beer what most of Central New York has done with wine, which is make the vineyards a destination where you can sit down and eat. In a fancy but not too fancy way, mm-hmm. and spend money but not too much money, mm-hmm. and get drunk but not that drunk. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This sounds all just about right. Yeah. So recommend yeah. those things to them. I will recommend. I will pass on those recommendations. All right. Or they could stop by my house later for a little brisket. I got a brisket in the oven. You like the brisket? Mm-hmm, you I found like- you found a thing. You got rid of all your cameras. <laughs> now you make brisket. You redirected. Yeah. Your energies. I'm out of cameras into brisket. 
You're correct. Into throat meats. <laughs> Ew. Isn't that what the brisket is? Is the I brisket think, the? I think it's yeah. I think it's a chest, necky the, chesty kind of. Yeah, necky chesty. Yeah, it's become a tradition that it, it it's uh, uncommon enough for the Wegmans to have a kosher brisket that when they do, I grab a oh, bunch and they then still if, have some. Then I gotta then I gotta make it. So plus o- Owen comes by for dinner on Monday nights and we want to we want to fatten him up. Yeah, some well marbled brisket. Yeah, for a well-marbled boy. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's I'm good. going to uh, New York City on uh, Wednesday, just for the day. And uh, it's because I will be one of the background lurkers at the Grey Wolf Press uh, 45th birthday celebration. A literary soiree, they're calling it. Um, Headquartered in Minneapolis. Yeah, but they are going to New York uh for this thing because uh, that's where the the writers are and uh, Carmen Mikado and Tracy K Smith and Max Porter novelist I have not met or read but I will do both um, are the featured featured uh, literary stars and then a bunch of people including me and Paul Lasicki and some other knuckleheads are gonna be just sort of drifting around in the background being quietly preeminent <laughs> I guess handmaidens yeah <laughs> But uh, this is Wednesday, six o'clock at the Century Association in New York, and you buy if you have if you are moneyed, would like some of that money to go to Grey Wolf Press, who we are a nonprofit, as you know. You should mm-hmm. uh, click the link in the notes of this podcast and uh, get yourself uh, some tickets. Hors d'oeuvres in a cash bar. Damned if I know. Olives. Um, I would hope so. I would certainly hope so. I'm trying. I'm looking now to see what actually happens at this. It, it does say that it's a brilliant evening, <laughs> a brilliant mm. evening featuring three of Grewell's most Sounds influential like and yeah. best-selling authors. So, yeah. delicious past appetizers, wine, and cocktails, mm. and that's what your two hundred seventy-five dollars gets you. Wolf meat. <laughs> that would be bold. Why is gray wolf one word instead of two words? I think gray wolf is the animal is a double worded, like first name, last name. Yeah, I'm not the one to ask. Mm. <laughs> you, you might not know this, but writers typically have not named their publisher. So <laughs> it's, it's unusual. Um, of course, I'm on, on the wonderful Copper Canyon Press. Which why I, isn't that I one word, by the way? Copper well, Canyon. I don't, why is it Copper Canyon, which is uh, named after, which is a a, a a picturesque region of Mexico, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> which is not where the was, publisher is? Was, was founded briefly, I think, in Utah, and then has been in Port Townsend, Washington, for a similar length of time. Mm-hmm. So I think writers should. Uh, I think it's going to be the next thing, a new thing in 2019 is uh, writers naming titling their publishers instead of their books. <laughs> the publishers get to title the book. Right. You get to title the publisher. That won't be confusing. I like it. Yeah, well, it's, a, it's, it's efficient. It's a trade-off. It's a compromise. It's a collaboration. You know, It's a collaborative project. Yeah. Publishing. <laughs> yeah. What are some new good publishers? These are all good publishers we've mentioned, of course. But they are, they are maturing. They've yeah. been around a while. They're not. They're not the new, the fresh new upstarts. Despite 
publishing, you know, of course, fresh new writing. Yeah, uh, I, I, I don't know. Well, I, I can say uh, Barrel House, um, the literary magazine, book press, and uh, conference uh, is publishing a chapbook of mine later this summer. Mm-hmm. So and I so I can I can plump so for that's them. A, that's one. They're a good mm-hmm. crew. Mm-hmm. Um, I like uh, Right Bloody in Texas. Right Bloody Publishing. Do you yeah. know them? Um, a, a little bit. I know they've published a few books I've liked, but I don't know much about them. Yeah, they ha- I will say their books look good, and their merch looks very good. Also, who put out Elisa Gabbert's? Um, oh, uh, book the word pretty. Um, where's my copy? My copy's been right on top of things. Um, it's small. Was so. it Black Ocean? Black, Black Ocean. Ocean, yeah. So I, I was, I was, uh, I, I wanted to, I wanted to buy it, and then I was, uh, and I hadn't bought it yet. And then I was down at Powell's and I was looking at it and thinking, ah, I want this really bad, but it's, it's, it's uh, sixteen dollars, you know. And then I open up a page and saw that uh, she mentions me. <laughs> Does she really? I saw that. All right, sold. <laughs> Perfect. Sold. That's how you get me to buy a book. Yeah, it's not in any meaningful way. Just kind of a passing way. It's like, oh, it's good. Said this thing once, and it made me think about this other thing. Yeah, yeah. And the one time we ever talked, <laughs> or not? I don't really know her. But uh, but it's an amazing book. My God, it's really good. <laughs> it's really smart. Yeah. yeah, and I, I feel like it's after I read it, I immediately tried to do to do that <laughs> yeah. to write short, thoughtful essays, and quickly realized that the reason they're good is Elisa Cabert, <laughs> not, yeah. not the form. Um, I guess well, they're just, yeah. That form is not that the form is deceptive because it presents itself as oh, here are some thoughts on a thing. This is what Alice does, right? Yeah, and and again, Evan Cannell, you know, and those essays, yeah. and we'll uh, shoot it too. Yeah, it's like oh, here's you read it. It's like oh, that's part of how they how why they're easy to start. Yeah, you know, in a way that like a short story or some other things, you sort of have to think ah, do I want to? Yeah, do I really want to spend the next few minutes reading this this piece? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Or or poems which are deliberately sort of disassociating or you know defamiliarizing language from the beginning. Even even when they're trying to invite you in, these essays it's like oh I, I uh, um, this will this will uh, um, this this is I don't, I don't want to use charming because they're not charming but but there's an, an immediate enmeshment um, yes both often not just in, in how they start but how how they proceed and then pretty soon you're in a a, a pretty intense aesthetic and <laughs> intellectual experience that you you didn't even know that you were. Uh, going to have that day. And there's a refreshing straightforwardness to the approach um, that gives way to a sophistication of of concept and execution. I, I, I think she's, I feel, I, I had some I had some conflicts, not like bad conflicts, but arguments with students this semester, undergraduates who, whose work was um, re- really heavily stylized the way you do when you are trying out the tools, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I find it harder and harder to make the argument that I usually tell undergraduates to just strip it back. Um, mm-hmm. Not because that's just my aesthetic, though. I think I I tend to f- favor 
less adorned writing usually, but not always. Yeah. Um, to just see what their writing is like. Like, I think when, when a writer sort of self-consciously uh, elaborates and uh, adds sort of filigrees and, and uh, long sentences with lots of participle phrases in them, kind of a, obscuring their patterns of thought, maybe deliberately, maybe they're a little mm-hmm. afraid of their patterns of thought. Mm-hmm. I certainly know that I, I remain afraid to sort of expose my, my own arguments and uh, my own logic for fear that it will prove not to be particularly interesting or, or uh, complex. Mm. Or uh, uh, defensible. Yeah, or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or cogent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or uh, uh, in the common tongue. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I but I, I get a lot of this this year in particular. I got a lot of pushback about like this is this is my style, you know, um, which is fine, obviously. But uh, but I feel like a fuddy duddy, yeah. You know, just like dinging people for their for their grammar over and more, over again. More dings from the fuddy duddy. <laughs> So that's Black Ocean that that's on. Uh, I just uh, remembered that they, I think they have taken over the backlist or whatever you describe it. We'll distribute the books on the short-lived Seattle Press, Gramma Press. Yeah. G-R-A-M-M-A, which closed its doors, but but in a couple of years put put out five or six really good books, including a a good collection by... um, my favorite poet, Sarah Galvin, yeah. and former guest on the podcast. That's right. That we do. We need to do another live show, by the way. No one's asking, yeah, nor truth. are we asking. <laughs> no, I'm, okay. In other words, we should not do. We should not <laughs> well, do another we should. live no, show. No, we loved it. It was fun. <laughs> Montana Book Festival. We've never we had did. one that the recording sounded good or was even um, given to us after the right. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. The, the best um, one ever. The best one. The best live show we ever did, in my view. Though I love the the Bumbershoot one. Bumbershoot um, was, uh, despite the the my conflict with the sound guys about which I was correct and they were wrong, as you can tell when you listen to the to the recording and find that the music is hideously distorted. Yeah. Um, I think the one we did in Missoula. Uh, oh, that was a fun with uh, yeah. R- Randall James Tyrone and Alyssa. Was just yeah. really fun. Yeah, yeah. At the American Legion Bar, correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. Those gentlemen who recorded it, they brought all their equipment. They set it up. Their mixing board, their their computer. They were they recorded it, and they closed it up, and they packed their stuff away and, dis- away and disappeared forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's about right. That's about you know, what happened. A grad student, it's a Montana grad student, you know. <laughs> seems fine. Um, it was a good one. Um, but this this podcast book. isn't for reminiscing about this podcast. It's for it's for. I think uh, that's what it is about now. Addressing We're in our sixth or seventh year of it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Time for a clip show. <laughs> 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 oh, it's never time for a clip show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did I tell you I have a new um, musical act? 
You you mentioned it, and it's called uh, "Hey Now." There's the there it is, right? <laughs> hey now, there it is. I I I feel like I meant to mention it and then didn't. Maybe I'm wrong about that. You mentioned it, or you mentioned it to me. Let's see. I, did, I maybe didn't. maybe you didn't mention it in the recorded. Oh no, portion. I must have because there's a link to it. Yeah. So my right. so I'm not going to talk about it again. But my um but uh, but you I've, hadn't yet put it up. No, it's coming out in a like a week and a half. I'm or a week. I'm waiting for the CDs yeah. to arrive. Um, so I'll send you one if you want. Um, I'd like to have a CD. But uh, I'm continuing to do – I'm trying to do a project um, where at least two, three times a week I want to try to do a real short, real simple song. You know the Elvis album? What the hell is it called? Um, It's like – Hey, here's Elvis. (laughs) Hey, look. It's uh, Elvis. Elvis time is happening. It's uh, called Elvis Worldwide uh, 50 Gold Award Hits Volume 1. Okay, I can see that the I can yeah. You, and, you you see this you see this record in in record stores. It yeah. has a bunch of little singles on it, little 45. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Little gold circles with the names yeah. of the songs in them. And uh that was my favorite uh Elvis collection growing up and I I actually just ordered a copy from Discogs and will spin it here in my home. And uh but I'm thinking I I should I should do something like that with a bunch of with a grid of circles of weird circles on the on the cover and uh have, there'll be little synthesizer songs. There's also an album called um 50 hold on 50 synthesizer greats. And it's by mm-hmm. uh <laughs> It's by David Chesworth. Uh, oh wow, he's still around, and he has a Bandcamp page. I'll I'll link to this. Um, I was very inspired by this. It's uh, fifty songs. They're all around a minute or two, and they're just little synthesizer ditties that he did on a you know a real to real four track. And it's always been one of my favorite instrumental albums. It has a very goofy cover. Uh, but, uh, so I'm going to try to do that next. I'm going to try to do a bunch of little things, uh, to make myself have musical ideas every day or two. What do you think? I like it. I think it's a good, um, it's a good number. You did 99 songs at one point, 99 I, one minute songs. I did a straight hundred. Oh, you went all, all the way to a hundred. I went all the way, mm-hmm. all the way. I did, but those were singing, singing songs. Even numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those were all between five and ninety seconds, I think. So, at three songs a week, two or three songs a week, maybe two, two songs a week, fifty songs. No, yeah. that's a uh, hundred years. I don't know how. Yeah, about a hundred years. Yeah, ninety-nine years. Yeah, approximately. I look forward to hearing each one of these. <laughs> yeah. I played. Uh, we played at a bluegrass festival on Saturday. Why don't you tell me about it? The Bridgetown Bluegrass Festival, mm-hmm. which was held here in Portland, and it was uh, um, it was cool. A lot of times you hear bluegrass festival and you think, "Well, that doesn't seem very cool." Gotta say, <laughs> um, all the images that are in my head are not of cool things. No, uh, comfortable things. Sure. Uh, a couple of white people in lawn chairs, and the lawn chairs are kind of old. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. some. 
They're a little afraid. Some well, of the, those white people have owned them for years. Some of the some of the the interwoven strands are uh, afraid and a little itchy if they're yeah. up against you for that years. Space they... between your Bermuda shorts and your Hawaiian shirt <laughs> a little bit shows and and it's a little scratchy right there, kind of by, uh, top of the cheeks and. <laughs> You're not sure if that chair is going to hold, and you yeah. look at the people. You're not sure it's going to hold them, but but it holds together yeah. for a while. There was a bo- and there's a, there was a moment a, flag. a moment a decade ago when you transferred that chair from the from the uh, the trunk of your Buick Skylark to the trunk of your uh, what's that what's that car that looks gone like into a, an Elantra? Yeah. <laughs> or the no the the PT Cruiser that's what I was thinking of. Mm-hmm. Do people drive yeah. P- PT you know, Cruisers crisis, to the? Uh, was was just a, a PT Cruiser. Yeah, a very manageable, manageable crisis. A lot of people didn't even know that there was a crisis happening. No, no, it's an answer to the unasked question: What if ZZ Top designed a minivan? <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So so you went. You went to this bluegrass festival that, even though it sounds like it might not be cool, you're telling me that it was cool. No, it was cool. It was hip. Mm-hmm. It was hip. It was. Uh, um, we were the oldest people, our band, the Hill Williams, <laughs> yeah. and we have people from from several decades. We've got a bass player in his sixties, a mandolin player in his fifties. I'm in my forties, and our beautiful yeah, uh, guitarist is in his is his thirties. He's beautiful. Youthful. Oh, youthful. He's handsome. All right. I thought you said he was beautiful. He plays beautifully. I would say that of the four of us, he is the most beautiful. (laughs) Okay. Okay. He would be called the beautiful one in the fan club. (laughs) Which one do you like? Oh, I like the grizzled one. Well, that's three of them. No, the the fat grizzled one. That's the banjo player. No, the bald grizzled one. No, that's the mandolin player. What about the kind of minor 49er? No, that's the bass player. No, me, I like the beautiful one. He's in his, he's in his 30s. <laughs> oh, boy. But he, was, he, was, he would be at the upper edge of, of the, uh, the, the age curve. Uh, There's a lot of really great bands from the Northwest mm-hmm. playing the acoustic music. Wait, t- tell me again the name of this festival. I want to Bridgetown wanna... Bridgetown Bluegrass Festival. Okay, go on. Um, a lot of a lot of uh, really really good dedicated pickers uh, of variety of genders, not just the dudes, and um, playing singing great, playing great, great songs. Um, and like they're on the road, like these are you know people out there doing it. Um, really good solo banjo player named Austin Quaddlebaum, who was really good. Who plays a funny banjo. It's a little too short and a little too big. Yeah, yeah uh, I saw you mention that on the internet, uh, the uh, on the online that uh, yeah. it had an unusual banjo. But I could I don't know banjos well enough to know what's unusual about it. Uh, well, it's it's a uh, um, forgot what it, what it is called, but it has a, a more. Uh, 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 it's an octave. It's an octave banjo. It's lower. It's an oh, octave okay. lower. <clears throat> uh, it's a good song. A, good, a lot of good songwriters and good energy, and just really good performances. And the crowd was was uh, dancing. 
These photos on the website look uh, lively and, and, and fun. They put some money in lights, which is not always where the money goes. At, uh, <laughs> where does the money festivals. usually go? <laughs> well, there's just usually no money. Yeah. <laughs> so usually money goes wherever it is that money goes when it's not around you. Now you're know? you're literally reciting the lyrics to a bluegrass song. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Where does the money go when it's not around you? <laughs> um, but a lot of re- – it was, it was really fantastic. And then got to – sit up and pick till three or four in the morning um, afterwards. That sounds uh, great. It was really energizing and, and affirming and and challenging and uh, I dug it. Yeah, and their um their uh, graphic design is good too. That's a that's a thing I care about. It's they have a great logo. It looks like a yeah. turkey vulture plucking the plucking this the string yeah, off a, a good design. Plucking the gut yeah. off of a banjo. It was uh, organized by a band that we play with sometimes called the Scratch Dog String Band, mm-hmm. who are uh, um, real road dogs. They go up and down the Pacific coast. They'll play any place, and they bring it when it needs to be brought. Sure. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. Smart, smart music. Um so that was that was fun, unexpected because we you know, we play we're playing two or three times a week. So I'm playing a lot, and um, and I I love it, but it it gets you know it, like anything that you do a lot can get kind of repetitive and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. predictable, both my own our own performing and then what we're encountering. And this was unpredictable and um, surprising. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, is this the first time you've attended this uh, festival? No, we played. We we. This is the third year, and I we've gone the others, but this and they were, they were fine. But this something just kind of caught this time. They just, they brought in more, a broader, uh, um, broader regional territory. Some really good bands from Montana and uh, the Bay and Seattle. Lovely. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know the feeling of uh, of uh, repetition beginning yeah. to to yeah. wear on you. I've been feeling that way about my. Writing for a while. I've also been busking a little bit. Yeah? With the guitar player, which is... Uh, Where do you uh, do it? Well, we've been, we've, been, we've been experimenting. Okay. With places. Um, tried it on Hawthorne Boulevard, kind of a nice little shopping district on the east side that's convenient to where we live. Mm-hmm. Thought we'd try that first. And we had a pretty good yield, like a larger number of people gave us a dollar or two. There just weren't enough people. So then we went downtown. We were around Powell's. Uh, mm-hmm. Was there a uh, little more uh, comp- competition for uh, the busking dollar? No. There weren't that many people out um, uh, busking or begging or any any of those sort of street obstructions. Mm-hmm. But there were a lot more people, and they were uh, um, uh, attentive, but it was a much smaller percentage of people who were throwing uh, – Throwing coins at us. Yeah. Um, well, you so need to figure out sweet is a, is a way to busk in people's homes near their their televisions. It's called caroling. <laughs> okay, you're right. You know, I'm, I'm not about. I'm not. A, I, I have no shame, so I'll try it. I'll try caroling. Yeah, caroling. I'll end up with a satchel full, of, a bindle full of figgy pudding <laughs> at the end of it. <laughs> 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 oh, and you and you, that's nothing to sneer at. 
Nothing to sneer at, although it might be out of season. Eh? You should you should come out to Ithaca this um, this fall and play at Porch Fest. Is it all on one porch? Or? No, it's on many porches. Yeah. Um, this year, it's become so big, and it's spread to other cities. Philadelphia has a, a pretty big one now. Um, but it was started here uh, informally. Now it's become quite organized and takes place in Fall Creek, uh, my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I'm going to try to reserve our porch uh, for the Bleep Salon gang this year. I think that it's J- July 1st is when we when you start to register your, your acts. Um, and they've had to close off a couple of streets because the crowds have became, become large and there are a couple of close calls involving cars and pedestrians. So a few places, few houses that used to be places that would have concerts – are not allowed to have them anymore because they're on the major major thoroughfares. But everybody else, uh, you know, every other street's fair game, including ours. And uh, we'll put some uh, electronic music out there. But it's mostly folk music of some of mostly some folk music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd be you'd fit right in, is what I'm saying. Wouldn't want to haul a lot of gear onto no. a porch. No, no. I mean, some you don't people. Know how much a porch can hold. Oh God, that's a good how many point. Marshall half stacks can the average <laughs> Ithaca porch withstand? Three, <laughs> four. You don't really need a, a half stack because your crowd is going to be just standing right there in front of you. Don't tell me what I need and don't need, John. <laughs> okay, okay, Eddie. You can bring as many Marshall half stacks as you desire. You can get like a hand cart. <laughs> it helps. Hand cart to get them half up the stairs. stairs. Walk them backwards up the stairs. <laughs> thump, thump, thump. I like that your mind has gone directly to the the frustrating logistics <laughs> of this festival. <laughs> well, I see that there are a number of them. Like, uh, um, yeah, anything electrical is like, where's the outlet? Yeah. Well, you run a run a electrical cord through the. Kind of prop open the. You can't close the front door all the way, mm-hmm. uh, or you kind of wiggle it through the window like you do for Christmas lights. Uh, I think we have an outlet on the porch, but uh, yeah, I'm sure there's. I'm sure there's some uh, cords going out the window. Well, it's September, so the weather's probably going to be fine, and you can open the window and you can open a, the window, or you can toss prop, a cable prop the door up with a broom. Yeah, sure. Cat gets out. Yeah, <laughs> look there. You go again. There you go again. <laughs> catastrophizing. Oh, and it's not a catastrophe. I didn't like that cat. Oh, all right. Hope all it right. never does come back. <laughs> Is it restricted to porches um, of residences that uh, 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 Vladimir and Vera lived in? Is it? <laughs> that's actually a fair number of porches. Uh, that's what I was my understand. Yeah, yeah, they're not near each other. Is the problem you you'd have to you'd have to walk a, a long way between them? I think go down to Kinkos and make a map. Yeah. I've been in fifty copies of it. I've been in two of those houses, to my knowledge. I have one friend owns one, and uh, some ex friends own one. They're not ex friends for any particular reason. I just don't live near them anymore, and our children grew up. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the last line of the new short story by J. Robert Lennon. See, I'm not repeating myself. Uh huh. 
That was fresh and new. I did, ri- I did write a that's short a good, story that's yesterday. A good, that's a good Lydia Davis short story right there. We're yeah. not ex-friends anymore. We just don't live near each other. Yeah, exactly. And our children grew up. <laughs> you wrote a short story yesterday. Earlier you said something that I talked over, which was that, that you know what it's like to feel uh, like the work you're doing is repetitive. Yeah, yeah. I feel like Do I you feel like you broke out of it yesterday? No, it's kind of in the pocket for the kind of thing I do, but it was fun, uh, which is new. So I also think I have a I think I have a novel to write. I think I have an I I think I have an idea for a novel. I wrote the better part of a short story um, mm. a few weeks ago, and I had I had seen. Um, so we're thinking of going on a little vacation in the fall, and we were just casting about for places to go. And uh, I suggested Scotland, where I've been a few times and like. And we're mm-hmm. not going to do that. But for an evening, we were looking at maps and seeing. And then that, that became, it went from where one might go on vacation to the most remote places in Scotland. Mm-hmm. And then we would zoom in on them on Google Maps and see what we could make out there. If they were inhabited or if they uh, had roads or know what Mm -hmm. it might be like to live there sheep sheep for sure uh birds seabirds anyway Mm -hmm. found this island i can't even remember the name and it looked cool from the air you could see some kind of structures on it but not many so then we just went over to youtube and some there was a video of some guy who goes to distant places he finds a way to get to remote areas and just hangs out there and films a video of himself exploring the the place. Is this this is the new Obama thing on Netflix? What? Oh, it's Obama's and a like is this a the robot. Is this yeah. a thing? I don't know about this. this. Well, I know who's doing a new show. This sounds like it might be a <laughs> What would it be called? Yeah, Obama on a boat. Obama on a boat. <laughs> yes. I'd watch mm-hmm. it. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Obama on a boat. All right. Uh, so, no, it's not Obama, sadly. Um, but then I saw the island, which is not inhabited, but it was inhabited until a few decades ago. And the stone, the rows of stone huts where the inhabitants lived, just a self, self-punishing self group of people who were, I think they were sheep herders, and they they mm-hmm. just, their kids left and just never, never came back. <laughs> their kids, and, they... They moved away from each other, and their kids grew up. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was writing – I got an idea for a story about a guy who is asked by some kind of organization, maybe military, maybe civilian, it's not clear, mm-hmm. to uh, – he has to be the, the overseer, the, the sort of keeper of this facility uh, on this island. Not sure what he's guarding exactly, but he has mm-hmm. to – Yes, he is to perform a series of steps uh, every hour, and um, there's a strange, like, uh, it's like a it's like a monitor, a display that shows the island, like a map of the island, but it's it's like a relief map, but it's animated. It's like a 3D, but that's the only example of odd technology. Mm-hmm. I had no idea where I was going with it. Um, but I decided it was going to be about um, physical pathways to the past, to memory. 
And then after I read, wrote about twenty I like pages that. of this, I suddenly realized this is this is not not going to be a short story. In that, I think it's going to be about various members of a family, um, and the uh, a family trauma that occurred in the past that each of them remembers differently. And it's going to be about how this event has radiated out through their lives mm-hmm. and messed with their idea of, of the cause and effect in their lives. Mm-hmm. So, so I have a thing. Maybe I'll write when I'm on leave. And by the way, I'm on leave. It feels good. I taught my last class and I don't have to teach again until January. Yeah, if you want to then. <laughs> yeah. We'll yeah, see. If it comes to that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if I must. If it comes to that. So I'm going to try to write at least part of a book, and this might be the book. Anyway, the you, short story. You, an observation. Yeah. I think that the you who have always enjoyed writing. Yeah. I think that um, that you are finding even more joy in writing um, as you get older. It's hard to generalize that, but I think I might agree with you. Uh, the, I think I told you when I was writing the book, the book that's about to come out, mm-hmm. when I was writing that a couple of years ago, it was the most joy I've ever felt creating a thing. Mm-hmm. And I was mourning, I was mourning it as it was happening as I realized that I may never enjoy writing something more than I was enjoying this thing. Mm-hmm. So it was bittersweet time. You, you found a way to take the joy out of it. Yeah. Oh, of course. Of course. <laughs> oh, here's some joy. Now let's see. How can I, in a programmatic way, remove this joy that I'm feeling? <laughs> oh, no, I'm enjoying that process as well. <laughs> Doomed to enjoy my work. <laughs> I'm enjoying a book that I'm reading. I'm enjoying oh, the book reading. I'm writing. But um, uh, Vengeance by Zachary Lazar. Oh, I know him. Yeah. Do you know his new book? I do not. I didn't know he had a new one out. Vengeance. I think it's just out in the last very recent. I picked it up at Powell's. I misspelled it. Vengeance. The way a three-year-old would say it. Or Ben Affleck finally taking his, his vengeance on Matt Damon. <laughs> or Damon. Matt Damon. He's called Damon in the novel. <laughs> uh, tell me about Vengeance by Zachary Lazar. Uh, the narrator is uh, um, Zachary Lazar, as mm-hmm. was in the last book or a book or two ago. Um, fictional, though, but he's he goes to uh, Angola Prison, which is a real place that I've been to mm-hmm. Angola State Penitentiary and gets um, uh, interested in a, a case of somebody who seems possibly innocent. Mm-hmm. Um, is it, is re- this, this is fiction? It is fiction, but he often plays a little bit with that. Yeah. It's four or five books. Um, so it's, it's fiction, but it, it, uh, it's set with a lot of real, real things, real places. I have uh, I have uh, bookmarked that. I'm going to get it. I'm going to read it. I think you'll like it. It's good style. A um, uh, lot of a uh, lot of brinksmanship, literary brinksmanship. Great. I don't know what that means. 
it's the, the so the author is flirting with the idea of going to war with you, the reader. Yeah, or a country, <laughs> or North Korea. <laughs> North Korea. Yeah, he's <laughs> thinking what it would be like. That would be what you'd have in the book instead of a dedication. Or it would be the dedication. It would say the declaration of war. I declare war. This book is dedicated to the nation of North Korea, with whom I am now at war. (laughs) With any who who, who care to join me. (laughs) Uh, But But alone if I must. And I will prevail. Then it has the whole battle plan, which is which is the book real, real brinksmanship. Yeah. To talk, no, ab- still, talk about brinksmanship. Still the dedication, dedication page. Yeah, there's the map. <laughs> the rest yeah. of the book is blank. <laughs> yeah. Fill in your own war plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read a good book. I'm not alone in having read this book. It's um, I think it's a bit of a hit. Uh, Trust Exercise by Susan Choi. I don't know this book. So she, I know her because she was a student at, she she was graduated from the MFA program at Cornell. So Oh, did she just read there recently? No, it was a while back. It was like 10 oh. years ago. Why? Oh, oh all right. Um, but, uh, it was before my time. I, she wasn't a student of mine. She's a little older than I am, I think. Um, she had, a, I think her first book was American Woman, and she had a book called A Person of Interest. Um, I liked them, but they were, I feel like they they kind of foregrounded their message more than I usually like in a book. I like I, I usually like being tricked into getting the message, you know. Um mm-hmm. But as as her, her she's gotten older and written more, her books I think have gotten subtler and stranger. I really liked My Education, which was a book about an affair, if I remember right, um, which is her last book. And this one, it's formally inventive. Uh, it's the, the first section is a um, story about uh, young people at a at a school for gifted children who fall under the sway of a, a theater teacher, a charismatic theater teacher, mm-hmm. who is too close to them, who's too in, inappropriately um, inappropriately involved in their lives. Um, and he uh, encourages various, you know, acting techniques, uh, but also just like social activities that cause them to um, confront adult problems before they're actually adults. And then there's a, there's a section break, and when mm-hmm. it comes back, <laughs> the narrator is now a woman who was a character in the first section, and she says, and she's going to confront the writer of the first section mm-hmm. at a reading. So the first section was a fictional work written by someone in the section. No. It's the second section, very good. I and like the, that. And the narrator is one of the uh, people, pers- the real person who a character in the first section is based on. And that has a that unfolds in a particular way, and then the final section is uh, the final section is a, an, another unraveling of 
the narrative approach of the book that continues to call into question what you've read before. Um, I won't say any more than that because it's, I found it surprising. I think a, f- a few people have complained. It's, it, it's being marketed as kind of like a me too book because it, some of the problems involved are about inappropriate contact, bet- you know, sexual contact between people. Um, and it's definitely about that in part, but I think it kind of undersells the book as being a, being a book primarily to, that exists to deliver a message. I think its formal experimentation is kind of related to the experience, the, the sort of displacement from the self that, um, that emotionally draining experiences create. And so it's, 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 it's both thematically and formally interesting to me. So I, I recommend it. And it's called uh, Trust Exercise. Trust Exercise, yeah. And the title means something a little bit differently, different in each section of the book. Like a trust fall, at least at one one definition. I don't uh, think there is no trust falls. There's no trust fall. Well, is there? No. Have you ever participated in a trust fall? No. It's one of those things that you hear a lot about. It's like the it's like the embl- the thing that is emblematic of a corporate retreat, but I've mm-hmm. never experienced it. I wonder how often it it's actually done. Is it actually done often? I don't know. I don't know. I have, I am as an unused to the corporate world as you are. <laughs> you don't say. Yeah. Yeah. Probably belong in it, but, uh, haven't been to many retreats. No. Yeah. You don't retreat. I have been in retreat since I was about 14. No, you bullishly I re- barrel remain, forward. I remain in retreat. <laughs> circumnavigated the globe in my retreat. <laughs> um, one other cool thing I read this morning, um, uh, which actually I was going to tie to the um, Bluegrass Festival, because um, it's some of, the, some of the same gust of air that's sort of changing this music, is this is profile on Rhiannon Giddens okay. by John Sullivan, John Jeremiah Sullivan and the New Yorker, the present New Yorker. Oh, okay, great. Or next week's New Yorker, maybe I read it digitally. Um, Rhiannon Giddens is a um, banjo player. Mm-hmm. Um, and other, other instruments. I'm here on and, the uh, at the, the profile. It seems to be readable mm-hmm. online. Very good. It's accessible to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is... Uh, this is a musician I've been listening to. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a good profile of her and her perspective on the music that we both play. I flatter myself by saying we both play it because it's a lot of the same repertoire, but very different. It means something very different coming from her. Do you, I'm, also I'm, very virtuo, virtuoso as well. Just taking a glance at the first couple of paragraphs here, um, uh, she seems to have a preoccupation with a mostly forgotten African-American musician named Frank Johnson of the 19th century and uh, who passed as white. He yeah. was actually black and uh, a, a pioneer in folk music. Yeah, and this is just one of, of many um, kind of musicians that uh, who's who sort of, you know, work in story. She has um, sort of brought back into, brought to people's attention. Mm-hmm. Kind of, uh, also really good, just really good. 
singer and writer of songs and, and player of, of the instruments. You got a um, hold on. Do you, a you particular have a, cut? A particular cut that you like? Oh, I would just hop in wherever you happen to find it. Uh, sure. They were promoting something uh, recently that was disappointing. Um, Called "I'm on my way." That seems. Oh, no, that's me. pretty good. That's fine. All right. Yeah. I'll post yeah. this and listen to it myself. Ugh. Sorry, an ad ad always comes up. Oh, ads. Don't like ads. I don't like ads, actually. Oscar really enjoys an ad yeah. because he never sees them, yeah. right? Because when we watch, we watch when we watch Scooby Doo, yeah, which we often do. Sure, um, it's on Amazon Prime Boomerang Channel. We're paying, so there's no ads. Yep. Uh, which is not how you should watch Scooby Doo. You should watch a cartoon with ads. I well, mean, is, with the ads. It is filler between ads. With the ads that design. you would have seen if you just v- if you VHS taped it in 1983. That's right. the ads you want. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um when we watch um Madagascar or mm-hmm. one of the spin-off shows like The Penguins of Madagascar or King Julian, um they are usually on DVDs in the Honda Odyssey, mm-hmm. or other situations where he doesn't see ads, and we don't, and not by design, just not not by parental prohibition. It's just not how we watch television anymore. Is we've done, we do so without ever having to see an ad because we're paying instead, right? Yeah. So he doesn't see them. So when he sees an ad, he is really interested <laughs> in this mode of discourse, because <laughs> in in, it, it's flattering. Ads flatter. Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, they're talking to him. Yeah. TV Scooby Doo's not talking to him. Scooby Doo's talking to Fred or Shaggy. Right. Uh, although I think there is a lot of implied interior dialogue. <laughs> but, sure. <laughs> um, um, but an ad is talking directly to him. It's, hey, kid, or hey, man. As we were at, we were at the clubhouse for the golf course yesterday. We live across from a public golf course. Yeah. And sometimes for special occasions like Mother's Day, Happy Mother's Day, John. Thank you. We go to um, up, walk up to the clubhouse, which has a grill in it, and we can get some pancakes mm-hmm. or uh, our hamburger. Those are the main choices. They're good ones, and and they have a TV up there, which is always playing golf. Mm-hmm. Right, um, and so the golf is on the big screen there, uh, but it's you know ESPN or ESPN five or um, golf, um, golf box office or whatever it is, <laughs> and golf time, golf a max, uh, Turner Classic Golf, <laughs> yeah, and uh, and it has ads, and he was amazed yesterday uh, we were watching the ads, and then there were there were a lot of the ads, but a lot of the ads for a golf program. Are not, um, you know, Ninjago or uh, Paw Patrol merchandise. They're for like erectile dysfunction. <laughs> sure. Almost all of them are for, or I mean, it's, it's either it's either one side or another of it. It's either erectile dysfunction <laughs> or prostate, yeah, or, pro, or pro, <laughs> prostate stuff, or um, 
or uh, hardness, you know, hardening or softening of of different you know points along that yeah that that whole uh, channel. And uh, he was mesmerized. Sure. And I didn't realize uh, what, but, but part of it was I don't even know what the graphics were, and I I assume it was it was old white people in lawn chairs playing banjo. Um, but uh, but it was the the manner of address that I think was taking him in. So it didn't even matter what what the ad was or who it was really targeted to. Um, he was just he was I think he just liked being talked to that way. So you know? uh, yeah, and I. I'm kind of, sometimes I'm I shock myself at how susceptible I am to an advertisement but a lot of the time I'm surprised that that the appeal works on anyone. I'm I'm thinking of forgive me if I've mentioned this. I I complained I think I complained to Stephanie about it not the podcast. There's an ad that keeps playing uh at the gym which is mm-hmm. where I see advertising on yep. the on the CNN uh screen at the gym. Uh and it's I can't even remember what the illness is, but it's the kind of you know it's like all these ads, which is like, don't you want to spend quality time with your family and do the things you love, but your illness is preventing it. So why don't you ask your doctor about this drug? Um, and it's a guy, middle aged guy. He's got a couple of young children, daughters, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it shows him interacting with the with the daughters in what is meant to be a a familiarly <laughs> a familiarly like con, you know yeah. g- gentle and affectionate way but yeah. what he's really doing is attacking them physically attacking them he's like grabbing them and dragging them onto the couch while they squeal or he's he's like t- tickling them and grabbing them and shocking them at one point there's like a they're doing. They're cooking or baking or something. And there's a lot. He's got a lot of flour on his hands. And the girls are both. The two girls are working busily away on the table. And he puts his hands between them and and to you know and sh- like explodes flour in their faces. And they're the literally like the actresses playing the children are obviously shocked. They're like ah, but this is supposed to be like the, the sweet play between father and daughter and i was like what the hell are you selling here this is not cool also i just i just was wondering if the illness that it that it um because all these ads are most of these ads are about the same thing and that's mesothelioma right and i just looked it up and it says that it's a it's a, a cancerous lung disease that's very rare Fewer than 20,000 cases per year. So who's making money off of these ads? I don't get it. I thought it was uh, um, something that um, law firms were trying to get you to think that you might have been exposed to or increased your risk to it. Because it might be hard to diagnose. Um, Yeah. And that's – I thought that wasn't what I've – seen isn't so much for treatment for it is like uh you might have mesothelioma yeah. join our class action suit i think that's probably what i'm what i'm watching i'm not really paying that much attention because the sound is off <laughs> so you're I just don't. guessing i'm yeah. just guessing yeah you're feeling it you're fictioning <laughs> yeah i am well you know <laughs> yeah. you know me 
Yeah. You know, me and my imaginary stories. Fiction and John. (laughs) Anyway, uh, so yeah, he's... He likes ads. Oscar likes the ads. The erectile he likes being dysfunction. Talk, he ads. likes being talked to respectfully. <laughs> he likes being addressed sure. directly and clearly. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> Little boy, do you want to have an active sex life well into your 70s? Start now with mesothelioma. <laughs> the lawsuit. The lawsuit and the home games. Yeah. Well, before we play, uh, we're, yeah. we're 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 over an hour. We should we should. Uh, you go on. Say what you were ever you were going to say. No, but I, I do want to say I don't want to try anyone's patience. We know, should. Ta- well, it's we should talk. Very nice of very nice of people to listen to this. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I wonder. I wonder if, if if people do, they could tell us that they do. Well, that we I forwarded you that email from someone I don't know personally who's been listening to the podcast. He was irritated that we are weekly podcast weeks. Yeah, this that was broadcast. Your um, what you just said was very appealingly distorted. It would you sounded like a (laughs) you know me, yeah, appealing, appealing, distorting an ed, (laughs) appealingly distorted ed. (laughs) Um. Uh, but uh, yes, this he had written and said that he w- went back in the archives and saw that we used to do this very frequently, and in recent years, it's sparsely, sparsely presented. Um, but won't he be surprised at this episode, with which drops about ten days after the previous one? Yeah, a fortnight. Yeah. Oh, for one Minecraft later, we <laughs> ought to. Um, we might even schedule the next one on our scheduling devices. You mean, you mean our voices? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. uh, have okay. You, yeah, you got. You got any? Got any food? Got any food? Got any food? Oh well, no. I so I I, I was on that weird diet, and I kind of uh, went off it, and um, and I'm I have lost more more weight not being on the diet. <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> Last couple of weeks of not being on the diet, I've lost more weight than I had, um, you know, for the, the the last month or so of of the diet. So I I feel kind of I feel in a better place. Yeah. I'm actually eating food that's not bad for you, <laughs> but also not feeling um, uh, like a uh, feeling negatively about my body. Excellent. I, I'm very glad to hear that. So that's included. Um, um, instead of limiting myself to a quarter cup of roasted walnuts, mm-hmm. allowing myself to pick on a whole cup of roasted walnuts over the course of a day. Walnuts are a good snack. I, I recommend roasting them. Get some walnuts, roast them. Do you put any Eight sort minutes. of seasoning on them? Sometimes I'll put, I'll toss a little olive oil and put mm-hmm. some salt on them. Mm-hmm. But you know what? They don't need it. Yeah? They roast up real nice. Yep. I've done it. Yep. A little Cajun friendship powder is my friend when it comes to roasting walnuts. But there's a little, uh, there's a little, there's a, a kind of sweetness that comes out of them when you roast them. Raw yeah. walnuts are fine, but they don't have that, that roasted excellence. My favorite nut snack is, uh, oh, got me right in the nut snack, is these uh, tamari flavored 
almonds, roasted almonds that I get at Wegmans in the bulk yeah. aisle. Those are good. And I've been eating those. Uh, the, those and dried figs have been my go-to snack lately instead of dried the, figs. the sweet and, and, uh, uh, and uh, carby things that I used to eat. But yeah. they're kind of expensive. So um, walnuts I know are cheaper, and uh, I could, I could uh, roast them up. Do you, you you do it in a pan or in the oven? Um, in the oven. Mm-hmm. In the oven at you know four hundred for uh, about eight minutes. Okay, it's, it's just about right. Yeah. Here's the thing. Right. Uh, here's another thing I've been eating. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went out with my parents. I'm not going to link to it because I I don't want shame to be visited upon them because of this one thing because they're nice people. There's a diner. I just want to name the diner. Maybe I already did. Anyway, uh, took me to this diner in uh, my hometown that is new, and I ordered uh, eggs and grits. And yeah. the grits were they had li- they had obviously taken just a, a package of of grits of Quaker grits or something, and cooked them up with no seasoning. No seasoning. Just. No seasoning whatsoever, and just grits. put the eggs just grits. on this bed of, and then if they threw in some raw tomatoes and um, chopped red onions, and mm-hmm. it was bad. It was really bad. Um, so I I got so angry that I decided to um, I decided to cook some revenge grits with cheese and some seasonings in them, yeah. and some scrimps. Uh, put some scrimps in them. Scrimps, shrimp. Oh no! So uh, no shellfish in our place. No shellfish. But, um, no but what shellfish. I did was, as a breakfast thing, I have taken to roasting. Um, this is a technique I got from Stephanie. It's straightforward. I just never thought me, thought to do it. Grape tomatoes or cherry tomatoes, slicing them in half, scattering them on a baking dish. Uh, maybe some thick slices of onion. Maybe some uh, chunks of garlic. Drizzling them with olive oil, salt, and pepper broiling them yeah. until they're a little blackened. Yes. Taking them out, arranging them on the grits, a couple of fried eggs on top of that. Couple fried eggs. Couple of fried top. eggs. Real good breakfast. Oscar calls them flat eggs. Flat eggs. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. That's a good breakfast. Right? Oh, the roasted tomatoes is nice. Yeah. Here's a thing you might, might want to try. All right. What you want for it is Texas toast. Okay. You can get some Texas toast. Mm-hmm. Um, does it count if I does it count if I just buy an unsliced loaf of bread and slice it Texasly, or is there something special about the Texas toast besides the thickness of the slices? You want a thick piece of bread, okay? Not not a thin not thin sandwich bread, a thick piece of bread, right? Thickly cut bread, an inch. None of that Tennessee you, toast because you're going to broil it. Yeah. And to get the things you're going to put on top of it to the right broiling, the um, the bread would burn. The okay. thinner slice of bread would burn. Okay. Go on. Uh, so, again, this is broiling, open-faced broiled sandwich. Um, a little butter. Mm-hmm. And then uh, tomato. Okay. Sliced, sliced tomato, cherry tomatoes would work. Also, uh, some cheddar. Mm-hmm. But not a lot. It's not a cheese sandwich. It's like a little bit of cheddar. Um, and then, uh, garlic salt. Ah, garlic salt. 
liberal use of garlic salt or garlic powder. Okay. If you're trying to watch the salt. Garlic salt also has a little sugar in it. You know. Does it really? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, maybe not. Seasoned salt has sugar in it. Seasoned salt has sugar. Yeah. I believe that. Um, and then you broil that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Quickly. Um, and uh, and that's real nice. Do you pre-toast I that the other day? The bread. You pre-toast the bread. I don't. I haven't. Okay. Do you think Do you think that would affect? It? No, not necessarily. Good. No. It might affect. It might be not. Might not. Might not be a bad idea to lightly pre-toast it so that the uh, if the tomato is particularly wet, water, watery. Yeah. That won't form a. And you'd also get a little crispness a little, on the bottom as well. Yeah. I like it. I like it, Eddie. That's that's pretty good. Yeah, uh, one last food thing. So we had uh, Michael Collier, the the poet mm-hmm. um, and and former director of the Breadloaf Conference. Okay, was here in Portland uh, the other day. Did a reading in Portland and in Seattle from his new book, which is an excellent book, which I recommend called My Bishop and Other Poems. Great, I'll, I'll link to it. Michael Collier, My Bishop and Other Poems. So it's not just not just the poem. My bishop, no, but also, my bishop is the signal poem from the book. But there are other poems. There as are well. other poems in it. All right, I got it. Right, got it. Um, oh, a, a dear person, an excellent uh, influence on a lot of people as oh, a like, writer and as a just kind of a model of literary citizenship. So a, a nice friendship, a nice fellow is what you're saying. You're not saying that he's. He's, no, a, he's a nice fellow. He's a he's, all, he's one with the, the book. one yeah. with the deer, one with the ungulates. No, no. Uh, deer is deer. Uh, deer is not an ung- is a deer an ungulate? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. Zebra is an ungulate. Isn't it the cloven hoof that makes them ungulate, or is it something else? Yeah, is I think that's what it means. The deer an ungulate. I think a deer is not an ungulate. Uh, they're ungulates. Shit. <laughs> Fucking ungulates. Anyway, so we went to dinner with, with Collier and I had some bacon-wrapped dates. That's end of story. <laughs> ungulates! Are you hungry for lunch? Well, then let's have lunch. Do you want some lunch? Then we'll give you some lunch Do you have a hankering for lunch? Well then come to lunch